Well, I'm happy to welcome you to the home of uh, right-wing hatred, white male privilege, cisgender everything, Jack Riccardi Show, 550 and 1071 KTSA. Good afternoon. Welcome. There's a lot going on today. I'm going to try to keep it all in front of us. I'm going to warn you now. I'm going to warn you now. I got to say some things. I've got some things I got to say that you probably aren't going to like. I'm just going to tell you. This is like the equivalent of a friend telling you you've got, you know, broccoli between your two front teeth. You don't like to hear it, but later on you're glad that somebody told you, right? Okay. Last night we had the off-year election, so-called, because it's an odd-numbered year. But in a lot of states, this is when they have their statewide elections. Uh, And then there were states like ours that had a uh, constitutional ballot election and other things. So actually, I think in more than half the states, there was something going on. But they call it an off-year election. And it was an off-year for the Republicans. It was not an off-year for the Democrats. The Democratic Party last night had such a good showing that I think you can pretty much forget about all the talk about, oh, I don't think they're going to stay with Biden, and I don't think he can... uh," They won so overwhelmingly last night that they're probably sitting on top of the world right now. I mean, I don't know, but I would guess. The only thing that worked for the Republicans was they retained, retained the governor of Mississippi, who you couldn't name if I held a gun to your head. And that's a state that hasn't elected a Democratic uh, governor in like 30 years. So big deal. And he barely hung on. But it was an off year for the Republicans. And you lost to Joe Biden's party. And you lost to Joe Biden. And you lost while Biden is at his nadir in the polls. He's totally wandering around confused and, and, and aimless. There's inflation, there's war, there's corruption, and you still lost to them, Republicans. You were trying to get a bigger footprint in the Virginia State Legislature. You lost both houses. You lost on abortion in Ohio, a state that Republicans have been carrying. Trump carried Ohio, I think. I think he carried it both times. Abortion is now a constitutional right. In Ohio. You lost the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. They lost a special election for a rep seat in New Jersey. Now, New Jersey's a blue state, but this district is deep red. It hadn't elected a Democrat in like 20 or 30 years. Elected a Democrat last night. Didn't we just hear that Republicans were running ahead in the battleground states? Isn't that what the polls said? Does this all sound familiar to you? Isn't this exactly how you were set up for 2022? It's going to be a red wave. We're doing great. It's not your fault or mine. I told you what's going on yesterday. It's the people running the Republican Party. They're dolts. They're not only dolts. Let me be more specific. They they don't want to win. They, They don't really know what that means. Remember when Trump said you'll get tired of winning? 
Well, the problem with Ron and McDaniel and Mitch McConnell and the people that actually uh, collate the donations and choose the candidates and the messaging and strategizing in the Republican Party, the problem is that they are not yet tired of losing. I mean, think about the Republican Party. Can we just be honest? Our country is hanging by a thread. Western civilization is on the ropes. And you know what they're most worried about? Donald Trump. I mean, look at what's happening in our world. And they think Trump is the is their biggest headache. Have you ever seen Republicans play as hard, work as hard, when they were out to get their own Speaker of the House? Have you ever seen them work that hard against the Democrats? I never have. This is like a team that plays better in the locker room than on the field. Now, say what you want about the Hamasocrats, but they play on the field. And let's talk about the field, because the way we have elections now is pretty hinky, right? I mean, ever since COVID, we have all these new quote-unquote rules, which are really kind of made up as we go along. And they're designed to make the process of ballots and voter identity and security of the counting of votes. All of that has gotten very loosey-goosey. And um, the name of the game now is early voting. The name of the game now is mail-in and absentee voting, new voter registration, vote harvesting. And Republicans say they don't like those things. Well, I don't like them either. But until you change them... You have to play by those rules. You have, to, you have to get good at that. You have to have a ground game for that, and they don't. As far as the elections being stolen, I, I, I get it. You can, you can say we're the victims of foul play, but I've already heard that from the Republicans, and so have you. And It's old news, and I'm tired of hearing And Frankly, I don't have any, any time for it anymore. What are you going to do about it? I'm interested now in what you're going to do about it. You've, you've told me there's a problem. I get that. When are you going to fight back? What, if anything, are you doing other than pointing out to we the people who are exhausted that they're cheating? Now, tell me I'm wrong about any of this. Am I wrong about any of this? The Republicans get killed on fundraising. Killed. And I know there's a lot of rich Democrats in Silicon Valley and all that. I, I, I get all that. And I know rich Republicans is more stereotypical than reality, but, but there are rich Republicans. What are they spending their money on? Because I know what the Democrat donors are spending their money on. They're spending their money on controlling the country, changing the culture, and dictating to your children. They are focused. They are spending and they are winning. I, I know there's wealth, and I know there's big money in the GOP, but I don't know what they're doing with it. I, I don't see any sign of it. Ronna McDaniel couldn't run a two-car funeral. And the Republicans keep re-electing her every time they have a bad cycle, and they've had nothing but bad cycles since 2016. They extend her. This would be the equivalent of a baseball team finishing last and immediately announcing they were rehiring and extending the manager. At some point, even if it's not the manager's fault, you just change managers, right? So 
I got to be honest. I'm not going to say I saw it all coming. I, I, I did not think they would do this badly. But it's a pattern with the GOP. And they're going to come to you, and it's probably already happened because I've seen it in my email already today. They're already fundraising off losing. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a Republican. I always have to explain this. I get their emails because one time when I went to a GOP convention that we were covering for the show, we were broadcasting from the GOP, I think it was in Tampa, I bought a T-shirt, and once you're in their system, you're, you're in there forever. So I get all their emails. They're fundraising off the, the fact that they lost. What a, what a pathetic message. Send us some money. We'll, you know, we'll bear down and try harder. I mean, come on. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. This is from Newsweek. An error with voting machines in Pennsylvania caused votes to change. Officials in Northampton County Elections Office said that when voters selected yes or no for one of the candidates for Pennsylvania Superior Court, a local election, the vote was recorded for the other candidate. I thought that never happened. I thought you were crazy if you said stuff like that happened. People just don't trust electronic voting. It would be a very popular position for somebody to take to come out and go, hey, for starters, we're going to stop all that. We're gonna, we, it doesn't work. We don't trust it. We're getting away from it. There are groups in the Republican Party calling for election integrity, saying they're going to watchdog the 2024 election. I want to believe every, th- every time I hear something like that, every time I read something like that, I want to believe it. Not because I'm a Republican, but because... Let's face it, even if you're an independent or you're a libertarian or whatever you are or just non-aligned, you know that they're better on things like liberty and life and law and order. So you'd like them, even if you're not a member, you'd like the Republicans to get their act together. Uh, I, I, give me something to hang my hat on because I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I think I've laid out what happened and what is not changing. And I guess we'll just, uh, I guess we'll wait and see if they uh, do what they always do after a loss like this, which is complain about it, fundraise off of it, and then go back to the same people and the same stuff. I really hope I'm wrong about this. And maybe somebody will show me that I am. Tell me I'm wrong. 210. 210- 599-5555. We've got a lot of breaking news today. The Houthi rebels in Yemen shot down one of our $30 million uh, drones. So we are, at war, the, the, and they're an Iranian, you know, franchise. So we basically are at war with Iran, just not directly. And I walked by a screen a little while ago, and there was a guy on Fox. He was a Democrat. I don't know who he was. I, I didn't catch the name. And he was making the argument that we need to, now get this, get this reasoning. We need to rein in the Israelis so that the Iranians don't expand the conflict. Does that make sense to you? Am I I just cloudy-headed today or muddle-headed today? So if the the Israelis don't show restraint, um, we'll have to deal with Iran. 
He, the, the guy said this as they had just reported the the drone being shot down. You ever get the feeling that you and I, you know, or, or, or just like random people on the street could probably run the country? Remember when you were young and you thought the people in charge of important stuff probably were smarter and knew things and had access to things? It, the, the older I get, the more I think I, I'm not so sure that we couldn't just grab people randomly out of line at HEB and put them in charge. Another big headline today, the uh, House Oversight Committee, that's the Comer Committee, has subpoenaed um, Hunter and James Biden, the president's son and brother. And this is something that took a long time in the coming. Uh, And and this is one of the things that uh, was at issue with um, Mike Johnson's election as speaker. We'll see what they do, but... Um, that's a that's a good step. I'll give them that. Uh, another headline: The House last night censured Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. She's a member of the squad. She has said some um, vile things. I got to be honest with you. This story doesn't really do much for me. Um, to be not in good standing with the House of Representatives doesn't seem like such a shameful thing. I mean, remember, George Santos is in the House of Representatives. Okay? Eric Swalwell, who slept with a Chinese spy, is in the House of Representatives. So I'm not sure that getting the disapproval of Congress is impressive to me. But also, if you're Rashida Tlaib, this is a point of pride. I mean, like, this is what you live for. I mean, you... You don't want to be, you're trying to tear down this institution, so you clearly revel in the fact that they feel threatened by you. I know she put on a good show of weeping and gnashing her teeth, and all of the squad were screaming and yelling about uh, how she should be able to say whatever she wants, because isn't this America? I love how misty-eyed they get about America and its greatness. Um, <laughs> when When somebody tries to silence them... But the rest of the time, it's sit down and shut up, you proles, right? Anyway, I don't know. I mean, tell me if, if you have a different take on it, but big deal that they censored Rashida Tlaib. You know what's more interesting to me than the fact that the House cobbled together this vote, and I think 15 Democrats voted with the Republicans or whatever it was? You know what's more interesting to me? And no one ever says this. Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, uh... Ayanna Presley, Jamal Bowman, AOC, these people were elected in congressional districts and by healthy majorities. That means that there are places in this country where no matter what you think or what the House thinks, this is their person. That says something. You know, that says something. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. I read about how back in the 1930s and 40s, there were actually a couple of communist members of Congress. They were elected to the House, and they were, they were members. There was a C after their name. They were communists. And I thought, wow, it's incredible that that would ever happen. It would never, you'd never see that happen again. But when, when you consider that Rashida Tlaib is somebody's representative, she's somebody's Chip Roy, she's somebody's Joaquin Castro, think about what that district must be like. Think about what... The streets and the mores of that district must be like. 
She didn't fall out of the sky. Your fellow Americans sent her. Just saying. I, I say this with love, and I, I, I'm not a Republican, but I'll give the Republicans credit. Most of the time when they're in charge, when they're governing, we have lower taxes, we have a little bit less government, uh, we have greater personal liberty, we have law and order, we have safety, we have uh, fairly coherent foreign policy. I, those are good things. But you have to win first. And son of a gun, these people just keep finding ways to get taken and and pasted and beaten and maybe cheated sometimes, but you, this is ridiculous. And if I'm not even a member and I'm frustrated, I, I, I can imagine how you feel. And so um, before Trump... This was considered, well, you know, we, we fought the good fight and, uh, we, you know, we, we stood on principle and we don't do the things that they do. Like, that was, that was the mantra from a lot of Republicans after they would lose a midterm or lose a presidential race. Well, you know, we, we could be like them, but we were better than that. And then Trump came along and he said, you know what, let's just, let's just win. Let's just punch them in the face. Uh, let's not play by the Marquis of Queensbury rules. And so now I don't think you can, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you can go back to the, we tried hard and we're number two and we're happy to be in second place. And I, I don't think there's any going back to that. People have had a taste of winning. And they want to win. I'm not sure he's the right guy, but the reason, one of the reasons people love him is that he, he showed them they didn't have to settle for always being Avis. And that forever in a day was what they did, really. You know, throw in a little Reagan talk and then settle for second place. 210-599-5555. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the the whole situation with the left and the squad and um, the rhetoric about Jews. Because I think when you get to where we're at right now, it's important to ask ourselves, I said yesterday, it seems like we went from never forget to we want to forget or, or don't remind us very quickly. But there's a very, I think there's a very direct explanation for that. And here it is. Whether you're talking about a political party or a classroom or a family the way societies work is the older more experienced more wise people correct the younger brasher less wise people right that's what you do that's that's the definition of raising kids right it's corrective it's guidance it's hey don't do this hey do more of that. The the Democrats have given in to the kids. You know, this started with Pelosi, I think. She was afraid of, she didn't want to lose her speakership. She was she got she got she got afraid of AOC. She saw the future and it didn't include her. She wanted to have a couple more years. So they're letting 
because the Democrats never used to talk about Jews or Israel like this, but they're letting the um, the children run the school. The teacher's not at the front of the classroom anymore. The teacher's not even in the classroom anymore. And when you don't have adults and you don't have wisdom and you don't have correction, yeah, you run amok. The other thing I was thinking about this last night, everybody always describes Israel as, well, they're the only democracy in the, in the Middle East, and that seems like kind of a non-sequitur fact. But you know what Israel really is? And I think this is what sticks in the craw of a lot of people on the left. Israel is kind of a red state. You know, like Israel, you, you, you look at what they're doing right now in terms of the response to the 10-7 attack, and it's very like what a red state governor would do, right? It's very, it's bold and it's uh, uh, firm and it's decisive and it's violent and uh, we're not going to hold back. And, you know, blue state governors and blue state governance is all about, uh, you know, summer of love. And we're going to let them have the neighborhood. We've got to have room for protest and stand down. And that's why every city in America is on fire every summer, because it's, that's how it's run. And they don't like Israel because it reminds them too much of a Texas or a Florida I think that's got to be part of it. 210-599-5555. Um, I did like this. This is kind of random. I don't know if you saw this or not. Remember John Fetterman? The senator from Pennsylvania? I haven't talked about him in a while. He is like, um, he's completely gone off the reservation with the Democrats and um, Hamas. In fact, I saw a picture on X He's papered his entire outside office, or his probably his staff did it. They papered his entire outside office in 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 the uh, Senate building with those Israeli missing citizen posters, floor to ceiling, everywhere the eye can see. And I give him credit for that, or whoever came up with that, I give them credit for that. Good, good for whoever's idea that was. Probably a price to pay when they're behind closed doors, but so what? That's that's pretty cool. He Every once in a while, he will do something or say something. He's been slapping Gavin Newsom around pretty good. Have you seen that? You've got to be a real political wonk to even see this stuff. But anyway, yeah, he's, he's, made, he's taken a couple of digs at Gavin Newsom for being a pretty boy and blow-dried and not having the courage to just come out and admit he's running for president. This is a fellow Democrat. And I think to myself, this is why, probably why they like him in Pennsylvania. I mean, you and I can't understand how that happened and maybe think it shouldn't have happened, but there was something going on with this guy before the stroke. There was a a streak of contrarian in him. And I always believe that left or right, people kind of dig a contrarian. And it's just a, it's a relief to see somebody not exactly towing the line. We just kind of, it's kind of reassuring and entertaining and memorable, and he's doing that. Uh, that's, that's what people like about him. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying he should be in the Senate, but that's probably why he is. I know we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet, and it always is difficult to talk about Christmas before we've had Thanksgiving, but Rapping with Jack is uh, something that has to happen. We have to raise the money. We have to raise the gifts. 
way in advance. So much as I would like to say, let's get through Thanksgiving, let's enjoy that, and then we'll talk. And you know, basically, our event is December sixth, and we've got to have the gifts that are going to be going to those families so that we can wrap them, uh, and so that they can be, you know, kind of processed and sorted, and and then uh, shared with those families before Christmas. That's why all this happens so early. That's why we basically start in October, and that's why I'm talking to you about it right now. And if you know about it, and you've been with me over the years, I hope that you'll feel uh, that you want to be a part of this, you go to ktsa.com and make a donation or see how you can give. And then join us on December 6th at Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. We'll be out there the night of uh, December 6th to wrap the presents and have a great live Christmas show. Now, if you are new to our show and new to the, you're not sure, well, what's, what are we even talking about? Um, again, all the information, a good explanation of it is at ktsa.com. But we've been doing this for 25 years with Family Service Association, uh, a great uh, nonprofit here in San Antonio. Um, and we're working with hundreds of families that could use a little help and could use a little, I don't know, maybe a, a little love, a little spark. And getting a gift with your name on it that's wrapped and feeling like you count and somebody thought of you could be just, you know, it be just the thing at the end of a hard year or a, or a tragic year. So if you, again, if you're moved to do it and it's new to you or you've done it with us before, all the details at ktsa.com. Go to the Wrapping with Jack page there, presented by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, River City Oral Surgery, Institute for Functional Health, and Copenhagen Imports. It's a cliche, and I'm going to have to use it because you'll know what I mean when I say it. Are we going to have a national conversation about the uh, gentleman in California who was standing around waving an Israeli flag. His name is Paul Kessler, 69 years old. There's video of him right before he was assaulted. He's just, he's waving the flag. He's part of a, a group of people that are expressing solidarity for Israel. It's been a lot of those demonstrations. You don't hear much about them because they don't leave red paint all over everything and damage to businesses and they're not assaulting people. But he got into a altercation or argument or encounter with an opposing protester, a pro-Palestinian protester at this intersection where both groups had showed up. And this guy hit him in the head with his bullhorn and then knocked him backwards so that Paul Kessler hit his head on the ground and and died from that. And I want to know if we're going to have a national conversation. Because I think we can all agree, Paul Kessler didn't deserve to die. He didn't bring, he, he didn't do something that you could say, well, actions have consequences. He did something that we take for granted any of us can do and are, are free to do. And he, and he wound up dead. And in the past, when people have wound up dead, and we don't believe they deserved it or brought it on themselves, we've had a national conversation. We, we had a national conversation about George Floyd. We had a not national conversation about Freddie Gray. We had a national conversation about uh, the gentleman that was selling the Lucy's in Staten Island. The President of the United States would come speak at the funeral. The 
the the media would all camp out all the anchor and anchorettes would go and and do their their shows at the intersection this is where it happened here's the blood on the sidewalk we need to have a national conversation and this blood is on all of our hands we would be told right remember how good obama was at that he'd, he'd get into that lecture mode i'm so disappointed in you people who elected me twice this is not who we are remember all that Where's the national conversation about Paul Kessler? I'm not trying to make light of a man's death or be goofy about it. And I realize I'm asking a rhetorical question to which we all already know the answer. There's not going to be a national conversation. In fact, if I didn't keep mentioning his name, uh, we'd probably forget it pretty quickly. And in the old days like before the 24-hour news cycle, it would, in fact, be a minor story. It would be a local story. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be something you and I would know about here because it happened out there. But now that we have this kind of instantaneous access and everything is local and everything keeps playing and looping over and over again and auto-playing right in front of us, so everything is fresh and live and now and local and and I realize a lot of things happen in the news every day, and a lot of things have happened since Paul Kessler died. And there's only so much time and, you know, ink. But I also know that when they want to, the media can pretty much hit the pause button, right? Like, if, if they want to stop everything, and we have to talk about Ferguson, or we have to talk about George Floyd, it, it, it happens. And you could make the same argument about some of the shootings that have taken place in recent years. Well, really, they're local stories. But no, they're not. They're national conversations. We're having a national conversation. We need to deal with this. This has implications for all of us. The blood is on all our hands. I wonder, I wonder why, uh, why not now? Like, why not... Why wouldn't this be the moment for somebody like, um, I don't know. I'll just pick a name out. I'm not trying to rile you up. Why wouldn't this be the moment for, like, Anderson Cooper to have, like, a town hall? Like, let's, let's, we, we need to, you know, this is enough's enough. And nobody wants to see something like this happen. And let's get all the sides together. Let's get the guy that, that pushed him and let's get everybody and, I, I know we're not going to have that. You know it, too. But we also know that it's it's doable. Uh, I, um, I think maybe sometimes this is why um, they like to... Like, there's a debate tonight, and we're going to talk about it. There's a Republican debate tonight. I think this is why, in, in a sense, cable news likes to concentrate on political news like oh the the debate and mike johnson and kevin mccarthy and blah, blah, blah. because that's that's sort of safe territory for them they've already got people there they've got it's somebody's beat you know the the camera tripods are already set up um it would be harder it would be more complicated it would be more nuanced to go to ventura county go to the intersection 
get the witnesses, get the story, what really happened, what were you thinking? What do you want to say? Here's here's the man's family. What do you want to say to them? Are you sorry? Is it time since we're not going to have a ceasefire in in uh, Gaza? Is it time to have one here? Why are we at each other's throats in this country over that? And that's something we've been talking about on and off on the show. And it's not a question without an answer, but it's a question that hasn't been answered. Why is there such ferocious confrontation half a world away? You don't think that's spontaneous, do you? You don't think people saw the news on October 7th and immediately dropped what they were doing and said, i I got to get the Palestinian flag out of the garage and go downtown and get, join the... Pro- you, you don't really think this is what happened, do you? Because I don't. We are being played. We are being managed. There's a choreographer and we're all in the dance. And so it's safer. Well, let's just talk about uh, censoring Rashida Tlaib. Yeah, that, that'll do it. That's not going to bring any peace. That's not going to connect with anybody about anything. Not even with her. It's not like, not like she'll tone it down now. Anyway, some of the things I wonder about. 210-599-5555. Why isn't Paul Kessler worthy of the kind of moment we had with, say, George Floyd? What do you think? Things going on here, really. Uh, there is another, I guess this is the third, right? The third Republican presidential debate is tonight. Are you at all interested in that? I am not. I, I am not. I am so not up for this, interested in this. I, I'm with the people that said they should just stop. Just, call, you know, take a pause. Take a knee. It's a different year. You know, there there could be a scenario where it would be meaningful and even maybe dramatic. I am not looking forward to hearing Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley bicker like a, you know, married couple at the airport about why the, the luggage is over the weight limit. It's right. I mean, it's just like, do we have to? Is there any value in this? given the fact that really the only thing at stake for Haley and DeSantis and and Scott and the others, and and I'm not disrespecting them when I say this, but unless something befalls Trump, this is moot. What do you think? Are you interested at all? And if so, why? And I want to listen. I'll I'll listen to it and hear you out. We all will. Are you at all interested in this uh, GOP debate? It's in Miami tonight. It's on NBC. And Rumble, I think, has it as well. I think that's the streaming service. And, of course, this is another one of the Fakakta moves by Ronna McDaniel. she got Lester Holt, Kirsten Welker, the lib that hosts Meet the Press, and then they threw in, um, uh, what is his name, Hugh Hewitt, who I like very much. He's a good guy. But Hugh Hewitt is not going to be able to make up for Lester Holt, Kirsten Welker. Honestly, Ron McDaniel, who, who, which, which party are you working for again? 
These are your moderators? I mean, like, if you let, if you let Kamala Harris pick the moderators, you'd get these names. Well, probably not, but you know, you know what I'm saying. 210-599-5555, and that's our JR poll today, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Uh, we'll talk about it. King Charles is starting to, um, I guess, flex the flex the, the royal power, the royal prerogative a little bit. Although, from what I've heard, Charles has been flexing that for a while. <clears throat> the uh, At the direction of King Charles, who opened the British Parliament this week, the United Kingdom is going to completely ban smoking. I wonder how that will work out. What do you think of that? Charles is a a greenie and a, you know, kind of a big-time control freak uh, guy. He has directed the British government to mount a historic crackdown on cigarettes. What they will do is begin raising the legal age of buying cigarettes every year until there are no smokers left. Uh, The plan would be that a 14-year-old today would never legally be sold a cigarette. And Parliament will vote on it, but it's not very suspenseful because the conservatives who are in power, well, their prime minister is saying, we're going to do this. And the Labor Party, the lefties, already have said, we love this idea, so it, it should be good to go. And the king is for it, and everybody's for it. And in a speech before Parliament, Prime Minister Sunak said, People take up cigarettes when they're young. Four in five smokers started before they were 20. And you know how hard it is to quit. And you're addicted. And um, we're going to save a lot of lives. And we're going to reduce cancer. Um, What do you think about this? We're going to ban cigarettes. Um... You know, I'm not a smoker. I, I I always feel like I have to get that out on the table so that what I'm about to say doesn't come across as self-interested. I, I, I'm not a smoker. I've never been a smoker. Uh, but I I really don't think there's any... First of all, I don't think there's any chance this will work. Any chance. You can pass the law. You you can put it on, on the books. No cigarettes. Cigarettes are illegal. We will not sell anyone cigarettes. You, you, can, you can put that in print. You can't put it into practice. We have a, a little something we uh, tried out here 100 years ago called prohibition that sometimes is referred to in the history books as the noble experiment because it was characterized at the time as something that was altruistic and we're just looking out for people and... You could maybe make the argument a hundred years ago that you were saving people from something they didn't know was killing them or whatever. Maybe you could make that argument a hundred years. I mean, a hundred years ago, you had a lesser educated populace. You didn't have an internet. You didn't have all the research. And I, 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 but I mean, we all know how the noble experiment ended. It ended with a crime wave, and it ended with the rescinding of a constitutional amendment 
We had to pass a constitutional amendment to rescind the Prohibition Amendment because government finally ran into a wall of human behavior that even the federal government couldn't withstand or overcome. And so when you talk about banning something, you can have good intentions, and you can have science, and you can say, uh, we, we, we mean well. But if you ignore the record, if you ignore how people react to bans, and you ignore the, the insurmountable challenge of people doing things in the black market and in the back alleys and under the table and innovating and finding ways to... You know, we had the rum runners and we had the stills and the Kentucky wilderness and we had all, we, we, we probably as a, as a people, we probably are never more innovative than when we are trying to elude or um, get around authority. It brings out the most creative things in the American psyche. That's crazy to say, but it's true. So the story of prohibition will be the story of banning cigarettes, I think. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Now, the Brits are different. I'm factoring in that they are not as anti-authority as we are, that in most countries, unlike the United States, in most countries, people think it is super cool and very admirable to be compliant and obedient the whole Gadsden flag mentality is, is mostly an American thing. <clears throat> but I still don't think it'll work. I mean, that's before you even get to the whole, why do we have to pick on smokers and why, why, why are we... They're, they're dwindling in number and they're so proscribed and limited now. Why? And uh, But even before you get to that, I just I don't see it. Do you? 210-599-5555. Steve is on the radio. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I quit smoking 30 years ago, I guess. But uh, the best thing I ever did. However, it's none of the government's business. If I want to smoke a cigarette, if I want to have a drink, if I want to eat dirt, if I want to, whatever I want to do, it's none of their business as long as it doesn't affect someone else. Mm-hmm. Um they they keep chipping away at freedoms and and thinking they have the authority to do all these things. Of course, we allow them to do it, um, but no, they need to stay out of our business. If I want to ride a bike without a helmet and bust my head, that's my business. That's not their business. Do you think that they do you think that they can sell it, Steve? By you know they have that national health service. They have socialized medicine. So could they say, well, look, if you live in our country, Steve, and you smoke. It is our business because it adds to the, you know, the the expense of the health care we have to provide you. Ergo, we're going to knock that cigarette out of your hands so that you don't run up big bills getting treated for cancer. Well, I guess there's a little angle to that. But, uh, you know, they can say that about everything we do. Uh, uh, you buy too many groceries, you're... you're using up all mm-hmm. the food you buy mm-hmm. you you drive too much you're using up too much mm-hmm. gas 
or electricity, if whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? It's none of your business. Your business is to, to yeah. provide the amount that I need as as a whole, as a people. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's your job. Your yeah. job is not to tell me how much to use. It's to make sure I have it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad oh. you quit, by the way. Congratulations on that, and thanks for the call. 210-599-5555. I wonder where the um, hands-off-my-body people are on this one. Like, all the people that uh, were dancing a jig last night because Ohio passed the abortion amendment. Like, um, hands-off-my-body, my-body-my-choice. Isn't your mouth and your lips and your lungs in that part of your body, too? I, I, I mean, I would just think that would be... If you're if you're genu- if you're telling me that your issue with abortion laws is the invasiveness of your body, seems like this is too. But oddly enough, you don't find many people that are really militant about a woman must be able to get an abortion. It's 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 uh you know what do they call it um, reproductive affirming care. You don't. Find many of them, strangely enough, championing the Marlboro Man. It's very, very odd to me. 210-599-5555. Pete is on the radio. Hi, Pete. Hey, Jack. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Hey, um, I'm one of those that I quit because I was a heavy smoker in the 90s. Um, you know, I quit for a little while. didn't help out. I, they found a nodule in my lung uh, attributed to smoking. Um Got me real sick, and I can't be around smokers, and I don't smoke. But you know what? Everybody has the right to make that decision, and government should stay out of the, oh, you can't smoke business. If you want to smoke, free country. Go ahead and smoke. We're in the Western world. Smoke as much as you want. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good, except that if you live in a society where you've signed on for socialized medicine, if you've signed on for letting the government tell you that you don't need to eat meat anymore, if you're you're letting them dictate, you know, you can't drive a car into London anymore. Uh, So all the things that we attribute to freedom, and it's my choice, they've already given all that up. This is just one more thing. It's, It's part of the pattern, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you know what the sad part this is? This is coming from the country that gave us uh, the law, the system we live in, Magna Carta, and, and all the things that we enjoy here in America came from the British. And it's sad that the British are turning into this, you know, system that's very total, very socialist. I just, yeah. you know, I can't, uh, I can't wrap my head around it. You know, yeah, yeah. It's no, that's, just, a, that's an interesting what? point. Yeah, they are the they are the Magna Carta people. If you go way back, thank you, Pete. Uh, we'll get to more of your calls coming up. Grab a line. Will it work? Should it work? Uh, they're gonna go after. They're gonna tilt at the big windmill in the UK. They're gonna ban smoking all across the board, and they're gonna do it uh, incrementally by raising the smoking age every year until there's no one left who can legally buy the cigarettes. But of course, you can. You can make the law, you can write the law, you can advertise the consequences of breaking the law, but what do you think people will do? We'll talk about that. Should governments set the example first by rescinding all tobacco-related taxes? The United Kingdom has announced at the opening of Parliament this week that their chief priority will be to ban smoking. 
that a 14-year-old in the U.K. today will never legally be able to buy a cigarette. And uh, they're citing the uh, cancer connection and, of course, alluding to the fact that with socialized medicine, a person's decision to smoke and then maybe get cancer isn't just their decision, right? It's the, the, the expense of it is borne by the, by the society. So uh, how do you think that'll go? Well, first, you know, some people are just philosophically opposed to government regulating what they see as a personal choice or personal decision or vice or whatever you want to call it. But the other piece of this is, even if you say, "Well, all right, I think it's worth a try," or you know, they're 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 at least they've got the, the right idea. I think you look no further than like Eric Garner and the Staten Island case of several years ago. Here's a guy selling loose cigarettes as a direct consequence of the regulation of and taxation of cigarettes by the pack, and. That's a business. That's an industry. That's a cottage industry in New York. They call it. They call it Lucy's. And the police are called, and bad stuff happens. Uh, prohibition. There's no. There's no question about this. This isn't a theory. Prohibition unleashed the greatest domestic crime wave the United States had ever seen. And it was a response, it was a criminal but creative response to we need to get around, we need to work around uh, this regulation. There's going to be a need, there's going to be an appetite, and we're going to meet that desire. And you look at everything that's regulated, and every bit of it has a workaround, has somebody meeting that desire. Maybe it's People sharing their Netflix passwords, not very violent, not very dangerous, but in other cases it can be. Sometimes the the fix is worse than the, the, you know, the medicine is worse than the disease. And that was the realization with Prohibition was that it had created a situation that was worse than just having people drink. So what do you think? 210-599-5555. And Mike is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Mike. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, looking at it from the point of view of uh, cancer, maybe, uh, you know, they're at the point like we were back when the Marlboro Man existed. And uh, you know what? In the long run, like that caller had a couple of calls back about the government can't tell me if I want to smoke, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if we have to support you afterwards after you get cancer because you don't have mm -hmm. enough insurance, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, we don't have socialized medicine, so yeah, the government can tell you what to do as far as that's concerned. And over there, uh, maybe that's the reason why they're they're trying to pass this uh, this law. I guess we kind of have socialized medicine, don't we, Mike? I mean, maybe not the way they do, but we do have, for example, uh, taxpayer-supported emergency rooms. We have laws that say everyone must be treated at a at a um, you know. Uh, an emergency room. Emergency. We we also have, Correct. in terms of our insurance premiums, we're all paying for the habits and, and choices of other people. You, you mean you pay for it, I pay for it, even if we don't smoke, right? 
correct, but you uh, long-term cancer, you know, over years and years and years, that's uh, a little more expensive than a broken arm where mm -hmm. you go into emergency, you don't have any insurance. Mm -hmm. No, no, but what I'm saying so, is if you, if you, you had said in your call, I believe I heard you say, we don't have socialized medicine. We actually do. Well, um, I guess a miniature version of socialized medicine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we just socialize it in a different way. But um, So if that's true, Mike, w would you also support regulating the way people eat? Uh, probably regulate the way people overeat. How would you do that? That's a good question. Because um, uh, can, you can have cancer, you can have long-term, very expensive and complicated ill effects from just overindulging or what you eat? And would we start regulating quantities or regulating fast food? Do you, do you, do you want to go that far, or do you want to draw the line at smoking? Well, for right now, uh, I would draw the line at smoking, but uh, that's an interesting concept of uh, regulating people who have a tendency to overeat. They're obese by three and 400 pounds. Mm. Well... <laughs> Yeah, some of them are. Uh, I, I know people that can eat like that and, and don't gain the weight. Uh, I know people that are uh, that are overweight but aren't eating junk food or fast. I mean, I, I, I don't think it would be that cut and dried. And for that matter, even cancer is not that cut and dried. I, I think you could probably find people with cancers that we associate with. Well, I, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had an aunt pass away who um, was not a smoker but died of lung cancer. And um, I guess by the by the the rules of what we're talking about here, we would say, well, um, was she exposed to smoke or was she around smokers? But maybe not, right? You could have something that mimics the effects of being a smoker yet never have been one. There will still be cancer in the UK if they imp implement these laws and impose these laws. Um, and, and and there will also be smoking. I mean, this is the other thing, and people don't talk about this, but when you make a law, you need to think about what the reactions to it will be, not just consider that everyone will obey it. I'm sure everybody will do exactly what we tell them to do. No, uh, you might like to think that, but human experience tells us that's not true at all. And are you creating more um, more trouble more law enforcement, more encounters between people and the police, more people and the state. And that's never a good thing. I, I mean, whatever you think about police officers and policing, whether you're very supportive of it and you're back the blue or whether you're defund the police or anywhere in between those two extremes, I can tell you it's not a good thing to increase the frequency of encounters between a citizen and his state. You, you don't want to do that. You want to keep that to a minimum. People should be able to go through a day doing whatever they do and have a minimum amount of contact with, uh, scrutiny by the state, the government, of which the police are part. Uh, so when we add laws, when we say, well, this also ought to be regulated or that ought to be a law, we're really increasing the dangers and the and the likelihood of things we all want to avoid that no one no one thinks is a good thing during prohibition
Drinking didn't uh, decline very much, but a lot more money got made on the drinking that was happening. And it wasn't being made by, uh, you know, Don and Ben's. It was being made by bootleggers, by the mob. It was a really interesting um, mix, I guess you would say, of profiteers. You had people that were like, you know, basically dirtball criminals. But then you had like Joseph P. Kennedy. <laughs> you know, so um, people who knew what to do and how to do it and, and understood that you'll never go broke by satisfying desire, got it into the country, distributed it, 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 it went everywhere, it got everywhere, the murder rate soared, the, uh, there was an exponential increase in the number of police officers and law enforcement uh, people that were shot and killed, and um, it basically made organized crime or the mob you know it it that's when it took off prohibition was the greatest decade decade and a half roughly for organized crime they've ever had and so it was a failure by any measure it it was a failure of government it was a failure of changing behaviors and you would think it would be it would stand as a, you know, like a warning, like, okay, we, well, we know not to do that again. But, of course, we've done nothing but. And I'm not even talking about the U.K. I'm talking about in this country. We keep trying to ban and prohibit things in the same spirit, sometimes with the same uh, tactics, and always with the same or similar outcomes. And um, what they're saying now in Britain about smoking is what the temperance people said about banning alcohol sales. It will reduce uh, illness and hospitalizations. It will improve people's behaviors and society. It will reduce crime. And um, some people said at the time, well, even if you're right about that, who gives you the right to do it or who gives you the right to dictate our vices or our pleasures and because we know people think that way they will work around the prohibition so what do you think britain is announcing they're going to uh, phase out smoking they're going to make it so that eventually there won't be anyone of any age who can legally buy uh tobacco in their country uh, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. John is on the radio. John, welcome to the show. Hello. Well, I know that it's been tried by the U.S. military at least in the early nineties. Uh, USS Roosevelt during a. Wow, that sounded like a bit. At first, I thought John maybe had a hoarse voice, but I think, I think that was a bad connection. That Did he sound like connection. that when you talked to him, Don? Hello, Don, are you there? Yes, yes. Did he, did he sound like that when you talked to him? No, not at all. That's what I'm saying. It sounded like a... I think the connection went south on us yes, while yes. he was on hold. Okay. John, call back if you want to get in. We'll try to work that again. Uh, Curtis is on the radio. Hi, Curtis. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you, you had a caller earlier. I think his name was Mike. 
I think someone should give Mike a copy of uh, 1984 uh, because he he was a gentleman that was talking about you know oh maybe maybe some food should be banned. Um, you know, government can there are a lot of activities that can be banned in the name of health. Um, you know, cycling, hiking, a lot of things like that. I had a discussion with a friend of mine years ago because the city of San Antonio charges their employees $40 a month if they use any tobacco. That's uh, that's anyone from pack-a-day cigarettes to someone who occasionally smokes a cigar. And he said, well, you know, I can kind of understand it because, you know, the insurance and everything like that. And I told him, I said, you know, you better be careful. I said, one of these days you might get a uh, – a notice in the mail or an email from this from your employer, you know, and and they'll tell you, you know, we've noticed that you you sure have been ordering a lot of pizza lately, or uh, <laughs> you know, you've you've been going on a, on a lot yeah. of bike rides and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Almost anything can be construed as yeah. as a uh, a dangerous activity. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I would just tell these people, you, you need to be careful what you you know what you wish for because uh, an activity that that you enjoy. I'm sure somebody, someone can find a reason to uh, to try yeah. and ban it. Yeah. It's interesting how people just assume that the government is looking out for them. Not at all. They're, <laughs> they, like, they, I don't, uh, I've never really been able to understand why we would pay any attention to, like, the food pyramid or... Um, at one time, I'm old enough to remember, you're probably younger than me, Curtis, I'm old enough to remember when the government said, don't eat any more eggs. Eggs are like grenades for your health that will kill you, they'll clog your artery, and then it turned out, no, that wasn't true. How many people lived off of those dreadful egg white omelets or whatever while they were believing that garbage? Look, I'm not a, I'm not an anarchist, but there's a whole lot of bad people that are attracted to politics and power and government, and then they, they have bad ideas and bad science and junk science, and they have their own agenda for why they might recommend or or try to prohibit something. And newsflash, a lot of times it isn't science-based. It's based on preferences, investments, conflicts of interest. You should definitely be an educated consumer of food, drink, tobacco, exercise. You should definitely educate yourself. Just don't let the government tell you, okay? Just th- that's, not, that's not smart. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just randomly let some guy in an elevator tell you, well, don't, don't let the people in government who are uh, loaded with conflicts of interest tell you. And you need look no further than the experience we've just gone through with COVID to see that. But uh, Curtis pointed out something else that I think is interesting. He was referencing Mike's sort of blasé attitude. Mike was sort of like, yeah, well, you know, if they need to regulate our cheeseburgers or, you know, that seems okay. Back when... Prohibition was enacted and attempted. We were a cash economy. I mean, 99.99999% of everything was dollars and cents and coins and paper money. We are now becoming, and, and I know this may not apply to you, so don't take offense, but I'm saying generally, we are a plastic economy. So we're buying everything with, um, you know, what would you call it, electronic money. I'm not talking about cryptocurrency. I'm talking about debit cards, credit cards, you know, your, your, uh, you know, your, 
Google Wallet. So what I'm what I'm getting at is if the government ever decided to start regulating our food intake the way they want to regulate our tobacco intake, they would know exactly how many Big Macs you've had or exactly how often you hit the vending machine or exactly how many times you've driven through Sonic or whatever it is. Uh, the, the means are there. The means weren't there a hundred years ago. It will be way easier to prohibit things and regulate things and punish people in an all electronic payment economy than it's ever been before. And that's something else to think about before you go, yeah, I guess it'd be all right. Okay, let's try it. You know, I, um, if you were a friend of mine, if you were a close friend or family member, I'd probably want you to stop smoking. I might even say it to you. If you asked my opinion, I would tell you that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the science of it or the evidence that's piled up that you shouldn't and it's bad for you. And We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about whether it's philosophically and um, effectively the right thing to do to dictate or ban or regulate of people smoking. And by the arguments that we've heard, like what they're saying in the United Kingdom, you could really regulate a lot of things. You could even regulate things that we don't think of as vices. Like what if there was something people did that was done in the name of health but was also somewhat dangerous. Like there's physical activity that you could say, well, this is my exercise, this is my cardio, but it increases your likelihood of breaking your bones or breaking your neck or cracking your head open. Well, you know, we have socialized medicine and the expenses get spread and it raises everybody's costs, so we're going to regulate and ban that too. I mean, I don't think that's far-fetched. And the only thing that really stopped prohibition in this country in the 1920s and 30s was that they couldn't, they couldn't make it stick. It wasn't that they came to their senses. It wasn't that the government or the politicians got thirsty. They were all getting theirs. They were all still knocking them back. But it became an exercise in futility. It could not be enforced. I'm not sure you can enforce this either. 210 599 55. Steve is next on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jack. I'm old enough to remember when the, you were talking about the egg thing. I'm old enough to remember when they told us not to eat real butter, that we should instead eat <laughs> yes. whipped plastic, purified plastic. Uh, smoking, smoking is a primal, primitive instinct. It, it, it has been going on since when we lived in caves or however you want to believe about that, they have evidence of man smoking when, when we were living in caves, maybe the day will come when they will mandate that we have to do a certain amount of exercise, a certain type of exercise. But this is what this really is, is incrementalism. This is not going to stay across the water. They're, they're bringing it here little by little by little, they're taking away our freedoms. They're taking away our rights, and they're they're building the 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 cage, the, the fences around us. All they've got to do 
when they're ready, is just shut the gate. Hmm. All right. Steve, thank you. Uh, Rudy is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Rudy. Hey, how's it going, Jack? Hey, uh, I think it's kind of interesting. You touched on a whole bunch of stuff here when you talked about prohibition and you talked about when they when they prohibited alcohol, um, basically it increased crime rate. It made it, you know, people have to get it underground. Um, it's it's actually linked to other things, and I don't know if you know, know this, but uh, the NFA, the National Firearm Act, was created as a result because prohibition happened and there were so many uh, mobsters and they were shooting up people. They basically prohibited the type of weapons you could have. Uh, the style of weapons and what was happening with weapons. And the same thing is true right now when they're trying to ban firearms. So as they're doing it, all they're doing is, is increasing people's interest in that. When you tell me I can't have something, I want to go out and get it. And the means by which we go and do that becomes illegal. So just because they ban something doesn't, doesn't mean that we're not going to do it. In fact, there's more problems with it because of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what we've been saying, right? That's 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 pretty right. much the that's the experience right. with drugs, uh, that's the experience yep. with pot, that's the experience uh, with what has already been regulation of cigarettes. I mean, even with the amount of regulation we have now, which is not what they're doing in the UK, but if you stopped just where we are now, there are numerous uh, categories of crime that are a reaction to that or result of that. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I, I mean, n- not only was there more crime directly involving liquor, like rum running and bootlegging during prohibition, but then there was all this ancillary crime. There were more truck hijackings. There were more bank robberies. There were more, um, more killings of federal uh, agents and state police and local police officers. This is when the FBI, uh, for the first time in its short history, uh, started arming its agents, and, and they were allowed to have their own cars. The FBI used to borrow cars from local police forces or rent cars when they would go somewhere to work on a case. Um, and so the... There was the need, instead of saying, we've got this great idea and we just want to save people, there became this whole um, cascade of of unintended consequences, all these other things that now had to happen and had to be done and expenses added and dangers to the public added. There's no telling how many innocent bystanders were killed in the commission of truck hijackings bank robberies, et cetera, et cetera. So you have all this, um, and maybe some would say, if you were really cynical, they're not unintended consequences. Somebody knew this would all happen, but whatever. My point is you raised the opportunity cost exponentially because you wanted to regulate this one thing. We don't um, need to wonder what would happen. We know what would happen. Uh, And... That's before you even get to the incremental thing, which a lot of callers are mentioning, and I agree with that too. That you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't just be cigarettes. It couldn't just be cigarettes. Don Cooper, our producer, said something to me that really brought back a memory. Uh, Don, ask me again on the air the question you just asked me off the air. I was asking if people give away or give cigarettes, a carton of cigarettes, as a Christmas gift, which is something <gasps> back in the day they used to do. Yes, when I when I. Uh, when I was in high school, my first job was at a little, uh, like, drugstore, gift sh- store kind of place, you know. Uh, not not CVS or Walgreens. It was a little mom-and-pop place. But we had we had prescriptions. We had over-the-counter stuff. And then we had, like, 
you know, gifts, Hallmark cards, and we had cigarettes. And on Christmas Eve, the, the last-minute shopper gift of choice, because I had to wrap them, cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> and and the, you, you everyone knew people that smoked, so you could just buy an armload of them mm-hmm. and figure out later on who you were going to give them to, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was a, it was an easy gift. Exactly. It was like it was like having a golfer in the family. So you just bought, buy him a box of <clears throat> golf balls or something. I liked them because they were the easiest thing in the store to wrap. <laughs> they were already kind of wrapped, weren't they? The boxes. Some of them were. Yeah, some of them came at, at the holidays. Like Winston and Marlboro would would have cartons that already had nice gift wrap on them. But for the others, if I had to wrap a carton of Merritts or a carton of, you know, Kents, it was very <laughs> very easy to do. But but n- imagine now, if you gave somebody just out of the blue, like I gave a coworker or a neighbor, a carton of cigarettes, that'd be like I gave him a, I gave him a ticking bomb, right? Like I get, like I gave him a, I gave him an obscene photo of their grandmother or something. I mean, how dare you? What, what is this? Oh, I mean, people would be so. Offended and horrified. Do you know what he gave me? So, um, yeah, we've been talking about uh, the British had their big ceremonial opening of Parliament with the king, and he had the crown on and the scepter, and the prime minister gives a speech, and it symbolically these are the things the king has directed his government to do, and they've they've decided the big one, the big one for twenty twenty three. We're going to ban all tobacco and smoking in the United Kingdom. So we've been talking about that. Now, we had an election last night, off-year elections for the United States, and one of the, the marquee races was in Ohio. Like Texas, Ohio had a series of constitutional amendments. And their uh, question number one on their ballot was a pro-abortion amendment, and it passed, and it passed by a lot. Let me tell you what really happened here, because as we said at the start of the show, these elections follow in the footsteps of the 2022 midterms, the 2021 off-year elections, the 2020 presidential election, in which Republicans think they're going to do well, conservatives like the way the polling and the numbers and everything feels right, looks right, and then it's a big blowout on election night. And Ohio is a state that went for Trump. I looked it up, six points. It's becoming a red state. It used to be a swing state or a bellwether state. It's becoming kind of a red state. It's got a Republican governor. But um, they wrote the question. This, by the way, question one in Ohio takes away almost all restrictions on abortion. It's abortion up through birth. It also removes parental consent. And it not only removes parental consent on abortion, it removes it on gender transitions, so-called. And the way they wrote it was... It's an individual right to one's own medical treatment. 
So what they did there was they appealed to the very same argument you've been making with me the last hour when we've talked about cigarettes. Well, it's it's my individual right. It's up to me. I'll decide. I know what to do. I'll take the good and the bad. I'll, I'll put into my body what I want to do. They wrote the most permissive abortion law as if it was just about personal freedom. And who could be against that? Who could be against making one's own medical decisions? It says, um, legal protections for any person or entity that assists a person with receiving reproductive medical treatment, including but not limited to abortion. And here's the point I want to make about what the Democrats did here. They carried the day. They won in Ohio. They won in Virginia in the legislative races. They won in Pennsylvania in the state Supreme Court race. They won in New Jersey in the, in the assembly race because they figured out what to run on, and they only ran on that. And even within a category like abortion, they stuck to language that was the most favorable to passing their initiative. So you can sit there if you want and say, well, they cheat or they stole the election. Maybe they do. Certainly they have. You can console yourself with, well, they they raise more money because they have Silicon Valley and George Soros, and that's all true. But really, the story of last night, as it, as it emerges from the wreckage of another bad Republican night, I mean a really bad one, is that the Democrats know how to just talk about what will benefit them on the scoreboard. And they don't get dragged into, you know, they were not running last night on Hamas or Joe Biden. The Democratic governor of Kentucky was easily reelected over a conservative, Republican, Trump-endorsed candidate, pretty articulate, smart guy. A lot of people like him. His name is Daniel Cameron. He's the Attorney General of Kentucky. He checks all the boxes. But the Democratic governor just completely dropped, ignored, didn't reference, didn't connect with the Biden administration at all. Never campaigned with Biden. Or if he did, a very limited degree. So I think what, if Republicans are ever going to get their heads out of their you-know-whats, there's a lot of things that got to change. And I talked about it at the start of the show. Um, They need to start competing on the playing field of post-COVID elections, which means early voting, uh, absentee mail-in voting, vote harvesting. They need to get real about who their voters are. If you're the Republican Party, your voters are now working class people of all races and ethnicities, but you're not, you're not getting um, college-educated soccer moms, and you're not getting people that live in big cities. You're not getting people that live in a city like San Antonio or Austin. But you, you are going to get people that live in cities like New Braunfels and Cibolo and Bernie. You're going to get people that are living in the hell that is the Democrats' border policy. You can run up the vote in places where people cannot 
live with or abide by uh, the wreckage of the immigration and border policies. You can run on school choice. You can run, but but you can't you can't just pick and choose the things you want to run on. And that's that's what I think really emerges when I look at this Ohio thing. I don't believe that Ohio voters are abortion radicals or baby killers or anything else. Ohio's a very kind of mid-range kind of place. But you you go into Ohio, you target suburban voters who are um, left-leaning on social issues. You tell them that you're protecting their medical independence or their, their body freedom. And they're like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. I'll vote for that. What your Republicans need to do. You've got to run on the issues that favor you, and you've got to aim at the people who are available to you. By the way, the guy that does this really well is the guy that Republicans seem to be the most worried about of all, Donald Trump. If Republicans in the elite upper crust of that party could forget for five minutes that they don't like him, they might notice that everything I just described is exactly what he did to win in 2016 and then get several million more votes in 2020 than he got in 2016. I mean, if you think about it, Trump did the only thing he could do to help himself in 2020. He got more people to vote for him than had voted for him the previous time. You can't ask for an incumbent president to do more than that. If an incumbent president gets more people voting for him after he's been in office for four years than voted for him the first time, and particularly if that incumbent is a guy that's been impeached twice and lied about for four years, I'd say he's done pretty well. I'd say your party might want to stop being so worried about him and maybe start to figure out or unpack how he did what he did. And it's what I just said. It's not, by the way, to say that Republicans should change their tune or their position on abortion or on any issue. But when you run, you pick the things that favor you. A batter at the plate waits for his pitch. And he swings at his pitch. He doesn't say, well, I need to try to hit all the pitches. And if the guy throws a sinker, a curveball, I need to be able to hit them all. No, you just need to be able to hit yours. And recognize it when it comes. And I'm sorry, I know you don't want to hear this, and I'm not favoring one party over the other, but the Democrats are just much better at this right now. And they did it last night. We hope that you'll stop by the Wrap Home with Jack Page at KTSA.com and help us help these families. And then join us for a great time Wednesday night, December 6th. We'll be at uh, the famous Blue Bonded Palace in Selma for our annual big rapping show from 6 to 8 p.m. Bring everybody, bring family, friends, kids, bring presents uh, to wrap. Uh, we'll have presents to wrap and much more. Um, you can get all the details now for Rapping with Jack at KTSA.com. Uh, 210-599-5555. We've been talking about the uh, off-year election, and over in the U.K., they've announced the big push is to ban cigarette smoking, and apparently they have not uh, heard of prohibition in this country. Daryl is on the radio. Hello, Daryl. Hello, how are you? Let me check. I'm good, thank you. Good. Uh, I just was, I was listening to it earlier, 
And the other thing that people don't ever think about, too, when you ban any kind of product or service, what about all the little people, about the people that sell the cigarettes in the store? What about the people that grow the tobacco? What about the mm. people that put it in the in the cartons and ship it? Mm. And so it's not just there's, – there's so many other people involved when you ban a service or a product. Um, I live in New Braunfels, and I used to be in the construction business. City of New Braunfels passed what they called an aesthetic ordinance. First of all, they wanted to ban metal buildings, which is what I did for my livelihood in the city of New Braunfels. But they weren't smart enough to understand that a metal building basically means that your roof is held up by steel. You can put anything you want in between. But they they thought a metal building was basically, you know, a storage building with an R panel, you know. So they didn't like that. But I'm just saying, in my business, my dad started the construction company in 1964-65. He's since passed away. But... When you try to ban a service or a product, it doesn't affect just my livelihood. It mm-hmm. affects the people mm-hmm. that work for me. It right. works for the people that poured the concrete, the steel. And that's what I'm saying, whether it's – and that, right. that one gentleman was talking about food. Okay, you're going to ban hamburgers? What about their livelihood? Right. What about the right. people that- what about yeah. the, the cattle? Well, Daryl, I think you, you kind of know the answer to your question. They don't give a damn. Well, yeah. Yeah, and it, I, I'm sure that's not news to you, but I mean that's the that's the answer. They don't, they could care less that it might uh, wreck a local economy or a business or a person's livelihood. Their answer to that would be, well, you shouldn't you shouldn't be making your money off that. You should be doing something else. But change your business, change your job, do something else. We don't want you to do that. That would that that would be the sum total of their answer. That's it. I know, and it, that's. That's why it frustrates me. I listen. I, I get to listen to you sometimes. I don't get to listen to you every day, but I listen to the Rhymer, you know, those guys in the morning and everything. And I, I'm very conservative, and I agree with you guys probably 99% of the time because it just makes no sense that, that people are out there, like you were saying earlier, that, that buy into the, the government's BS, I guess is the best way to put it. It's like, like you said about – Oh, don't eat eggs. Okay, well, they found out eggs were fine, but what did it do to that person? That- it, it is weird It is weird to hear people take the side of an entity that does not care about them. But I, I, I guess that's kind of like, uh, and Daryl, great call, sir. Thank you. Thank you for the call. I guess it's kind of like when people, you know, like I'm a sports fan, and I like to watch sports, and I'll talk about sports a little bit, but I don't believe that my team, like, cares about me. I know that when I am a fan of a quarterback or a baseball team, that 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 guy or that team, they don't know I exist, and they don't care about me, and they're not looking out for me. I am, I'm okay with that, but I understand that. When I hear people defend certain uh, actions or proposed actions of politicians, it sounds like they think they're, they're working hand in glove or arm in arm with these people. These people do not know about you. They do not care about you. They do not have any regard for what might happen to you. Like their policy or their proposed law, which might hurt you or put you out of business or create unintended consequences that that are really bad for you, they don't care. And it is weird to hear, I think this is what, I I believe maybe this is what you're getting at, Sometimes people sound like they think, you know, they're uh, 
they're part of it, or they're working with these folks. They're, they don't know about you. They don't care about you. We're going to see how you voted on the JR poll coming up this half hour, and um, it's about this GOP debate tonight. <clears throat> but um, the ladies of The View welcomed one of their own. They welcomed uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who, look, I'm just going to say this as politely as I can. Hillary has given up. Hillary is not trying anymore. She's phoning it in. What's the laziest observation you could possibly make, the least creative, original piece of commentary you could possibly have on anything? You know the answer. Why Why Trump is Hitler. Take a listen. What, in your view, would happen if he were to be reelected? Oh, I can't even, I can't even think that, because I think it would be the end of our country as we know it. You know, when I was Secretary of State, I used to talk about one and done. And what I meant by that is that people would get legitimately elected, Mm -hmm. and then they would try to do away with elections, and do away with opposition, and do away with a free press. And you could see it in countries where, well, Hitler was duly elected, (laughs) right? It's like it just popped into her head. Somebody with those tendencies, those dictatorial, authoritarian Mm. tendencies, would be like, okay, we're going to shut this down, we're going to throw these people in jail. And -hmm. and they didn't usually telegraph that. Mm -mm. Trump is telling Mm. us what he intends to do. Take him at his word. The man (laughs) means to throw people in jail who disagree with him, shut down legitimate press outlets, do what he can to literally undermine the rule of law and our country's values. Um, you know, the only, th- the only new things I heard there, it sounded like she said he was legitimately elected the first time. Didn't she say that she would see the pattern was a government would be legitimately elected? Is she conceding that he was legitimately elected originally? Hmm. And then the whole thing about, um, you know, take him at his word. I thought for years they said you couldn't trust him, that he never told the truth. That if he told you today was Wednesday, you couldn't believe it. Now they're saying take him at his word. But seriously, is there anything lazier than saying Trump is Hitler? I mean, that, do, do you not think maybe while you're sitting in the green room having the makeup pancaked onto your fat face that maybe you should come up with a fresh take or something new or something something maybe give the give the viewers like something of value or or have something current like up to the minute? Like, Trump is Hitler, that's like a band, you know, lazily running through its old charts, you know, like like just playing the hits, you know. You don't have any new material? I mean, why are you on the show? We've, we've already heard that Trump is Hitler. By the way, I wonder if we can keep calling him Hitler now that we're the Hamasocrat party and we are rationalizing, uh, you know, anti-Semitism. Like... Wouldn't you need to come up with somebody different? Maybe you need a different, you know, villain now. Like maybe instead of saying Trump is Hitler, 
I don't know, maybe say uh, Trump is Ted Bundy or <laughs> or, or Trump is, is um, I don't know, Trump is Hannibal Lecter or Trump is Muammar Gaddafi or, you know, like... I, if I if I were Hamasocrat, I think I would be careful with uh, with the Hitler references right about right about now. She says uh, they're similar in the Trump was duly elected. I thought Hillary's whole position was that Trump was not duly elected. How could she make that comparison? Anyway, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. There was a story today of a guy from Tennessee. It's kind of a pathetic story. He's this dude who worked at a credit union. And the headline is, he stole $72,000 to buy his dream car. And I I had to read this story when I saw that headline because I'm a car buff. I'm not a crime buff or a bank robbery buff, but I I was kind of curious, like, Obviously, he got caught, and his life is over. What was the dream car? So I'm reading the article, and it was a very strange thing. This guy stole the money incrementally over a period of time. He used his access to the bank's, like, internal security. He turned off cameras. He he did stuff that he thought would enable him to make off with the money, and they wouldn't be able to tell. So he had a whole system going on. And he did it to get his dream car. So I'm reading along like, okay, okay, this is what he did. This is what they're alleging. This is how they caught him. What was his dream car? You ready for this? Don, you're going to love this. I mean, I'm thinking it's going to be, he's a young guy. I'm thinking it's going to be a vet. Maybe it's going to be a, I don't know, a... One of the Japanese supercars, you know, or something like that. Maybe it's going to be a, um, maybe it's going to be a classic car. You know, like maybe maybe he's always like admired the '68 Mustang or something like that, right? You know, it's a um, 2024 Volvo S60. Hmm. <laughs> now, no offense to Volvos. I mean, I've had Volvos. I even had an S60, although not the current one. I don't think I would rob a bank for a Volvo. Is it okay to say that? Am I going to get in trouble for saying that? I don't like that's dream a little bigger than that. You're robbing a bank. You know, really? See, I thought you were going to say Tesla at first. I mean, you could finance a Volvo S60. You could lease a Volvo S60. I thought it was going to be, yeah, like maybe something, yeah, maybe a Tesla. But, I'm, I, you know, I'm thinking young guy, he's rolling the dice. It's going to be like a Fast and Furious car, right? You're not going to see Vin Diesel boosting a Volvo S6. I don't care how many of those movies they make. <laughs> He'll never drive one of those off a, you know, cliff or a bridge or something. You know, I, I, it's just weird. We don't even rob banks like we used to. What's happening to this country? Why not steal one instead of robbing a bank? <laughs> I guess that didn't occur. I don't know. Well, he works at a bank. Do you think it's... Don't they always say in the movies, there's always got some guy in these movies who says, 
I, you know, when I couldn't sleep at night, I would dream of the perfect fill-in-the-blank, right? Like, if you work at a bank, you're supposed to fantasize about the perfect bank robbery. If you work in a jewelry store or a furrier or a, you know, anything, you're, a casino, you're supposed to daydream about uh, how would I pull it off? What would I do? What would be the perfect crime? So I guess because he worked at a bank, he, that's where his mind went. So you're saying he, he could have just... You could have just stolen a Volvo. Yeah, there, there's bound to be someone who works there who owns mm. a Volvo. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. 60. See yeah. what I'm saying? It's got. Yeah. <laughs> just... You're kind of scaring me a little bit, Don. Like, now I think maybe you've thought about this. Silence. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we know. If anybody's missing a Volvo S60, give me a call. Uh,. Oh, we got to play the lemon thing. Do we have time for the lemon thing? You got to hear this. This is a this is a show on Netflix called The Fall of the House of Usher, and this is a character actor named Bruce Greenwood. Who, even if you don't know the name, if you saw this guy, you've been watching him for your whole life. He he's been around in movies and television for decades. So this is a monologue his character delivers that perfectly summarizes how we get the fads and the crazes and the Taylor and Kelsey stuff that you always wonder, where does this come from? Listen to this guy riff on the old expression, when life gives you lemons. Listen to this. When life hands you lemons. Make lemonade. First, you roll out a multimedia campaign to convince people lemons are incredibly scarce, which only works if you stockpile lemons, control the supply, then a, a media blitz. Lemons are the only way to say I love you, the must-have accessory for engagements or anniversaries. Roses are out, lemons are in, billboards that say she won't have sex with you unless you've got lemons. You cut the beers in on it. Limited edition lemon bracelets, yellow diamonds called lemon drops. You get Apple to call their new operating system OS Lemon. Little accent over the O. You charge 40% more for organic lemons, 50% more for conflict-free lemons. You pack the capital with lemon lobbyists. You get a Kardashian to suck a lemon wedge in a leaked sex tape. Timothy Chalamet wears lemon shoes at Cannes. Get a hashtag campaign. Something isn't cool or Tight or awesome? No, it's lemon. Did you see that movie? Did you go to that concert? It was effing lemon. Billie Eilish, OMG, hashtag lemon. You get Dr. Oz to recommend four lemons a day and a lemon suppository supplement to get rid of toxins because there is nothing scarier than toxins. Then you patent the seeds. You write a line of genetic code that makes lemons look just a little more like tits, and you get a gene patent for the tit lemon DNA sequence. You cross-pollinate, you get those seeds circulating in the wild, and then you sue the farmers for copyright infringement when that genetic code shows up on their land. Sit back, rake in the millions, and then when you're done, and you've sold your lempire for a few billion dollars, then, and only then, you make some f***ing lemonade. <laughs> you know, I I missed the first couple of times I heard it. I missed that he says Lempire. <laughs> I'll tell you the the chef's kitsch, the chef's kiss moment is the Timothy Chalamet wearing the lemon shoes at Cannes. That's like 
<laughs> wow, I that is beautiful, and probably um, pretty much true. I would say we talked about this off the air. This is kind of how the Travis Kelsey Taylor yeah. Swift uh, story is being packaged somewhat, <laughs> or or really just anything that comes along that seems to go from zero to 60, and, and, and once everybody's talking about it and it's everywhere you look, you wonder how that happened. And you never really you, you, you never really think it could be just like one person pulling the string, but it probably is. Probably is. Probably not even a meeting. It's probably one person. Somebody's lempire. You'll never look at a lemon the same way again in a lot of ways. Uh, are you interested? Tonight's JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Are you interested in tonight's Republican presidential debate? 82% of this audience says no. These are the, these. Are, if anybody would be interested, these are the people. 82% no. 18% yes. I, look, I, I, I can break it down, I think. If this was a debate that involved the person likely to be the Republican nominee, it would be relevant, it would be interesting. If we didn't already know the biases and the verbal traps and the uh, inanity of the questions from Kirsten Welker and, and Lester Holt, maybe it would be interesting. If they hadn't already had two of them, in the last two months, you know, I mean, even even like close family doesn't need to drop in on us this often, right? Oh, you're here again? Yeah, I thought we'd come back. You were just here a few weeks ago. Yeah, we're back. I just can't. I mean, I will, but I just can't, and I don't blame you for not being interested. But we will, we will break it down and uh, see what happens with it. Um, I think it'll be mostly the Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley show tonight. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll have that, all the breaking news. We'll get started live at 4. And don't forget, you can hear this show and all of our shows as on-demand podcasts at ktsa.com or wherever you like to get your other podcasts. Have a good night.